This week, we talk about simplifying a business. How do you know what complexity is important to the business and what can get cut? Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. Tyler, what's up this week? <laughs> oh, man. You're always so performative with that first line. Uh, we're back to uh, our Thursday um, you know, we always used to record on a Thursday and we're doing it again this week. How are you feeling? It feels so much better to me. Tuesday really? just feels like this huge, I just, I guess I'm more organized by, by end of day, Thursday, I've accepted what I'm going to do for the week and not going to be able to do. And by Tuesday I have, I'm full of angst around what I can get done. Hmm. You want to switch back to Thursday? Maybe. So for anyone listening, sorry that, about the erratic schedule, but we just had to reschedule this week, but we'll, we'll be back to Tuesday next week unless... I don't know. Maybe we'll change. We'll, well see. Well, the, the reason was I, we rented a boat uh, for my <laughs> nephew. And of course, we rent this boat. We go out and it's torrential like wind, um, like crazy uh, waves and just miserable. Uh, not a miserable. It was a fun boating experience, but like no, what, nowhere near what we expected. That's why we're doing this on a Thursday? I'm confused. Yeah, that's what I did. on. That's why we moved it to Monday originally. Oh, okay. And, and then uh, we couldn't do it Monday. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Anyway, yes. We'll, be, we'll probably be back to Tuesday next week for everybody. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is we, we... So I was on vacation last week, and I wasn't really following stuff. And very suddenly, we had to make the decision to like quasi shut down the office again due to COVID. Hmm. Um, I was kind of asleep at the wheel. Just I mean, I, I wasn't working, but the story here is... So Missouri, I'm, I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Missouri is like basically the worst state for this new Delta variant with COVID. And so the city of St. Louis and the county of St. Louis are two different governments, but they kind of work together on stuff. They both put out a mask mandate. And the language, the week before my vacation, the language was, uh, it's for public places. And it's like pretty clear to me, our office is not a public place. Like the doors are locked. You cannot get in. Every single person there we know is vaccinated. We've checked their card. It's just 16 people or something. So I was like, this isn't a public place. Everyone still feels safe enough. We're not going to worry about this. Then at, while I was on vacation, the actual language came out and it's very still unclear. The city's language does not make it clear what a public place is, but the county's language, which is not where we are, but in theory, they, they were trying to say the same thing. The county was like a public place is anything that's not your public home or vehicle. So people were a little worried that we were breaking the rules by being in the office without masks. So we basically said, okay, like with no notice at all, like people were already at work that day. We were like, you have to wear a mask in the office because we think we might be out of compliance right now. And um, we went basically remote first. So all the meetings and stuff are remote. If you want to go into the office, you can, but you need to wear a mask unless you're like lot, like closed in your private office. Man. Yeah. Does this feel like a temporary thing or does this feel like back to this? This is the new status quo for a while. I don't know. I, so there's two, there's two ways to look at that. One is, will the city keep the mask mandate? Mm -hmm. um, we live in a very red state and the, the state government is already suing to shut down the mask mandate. Um, and I think there's a good chance that will succeed. And or the board of aldermen might shut it down. So basically, I think the mask mandate will probably go away, but like non-voluntarily. So that leaves us with the question of like, should we be doing anything different? Because there there is like a much like it's it's not as bad as it was at the very worst of the pandemic, but it's like 
quite a bit worse than it was, you know, this spring when we reopened. I don't know. What do you think? Like, how would you approach this? Well, I don't know enough about what the Delta variant does, but it sounds, I mean, I read a stat the other day that said what something like 90 or 95% of hospitalizations and major issues uh, are with non-vaccinated people. And so this, this, it seems to me that the vaccine is working. And if you're vaccinated, this is a much lower risk issue. Yeah. My understanding, first of all, a lot of information still coming out. And th- that's one of the hard things. Like when the, vac- when we all got vaccinated in April or whatever, we had a, we had a, a year worth of information about the virus. This is almost a new thing that we only have like a month worth of information on. But my understanding is it's quite a bit worse even for vaccinated people, but it's still not terrible for vaccinated people. Okay. Like I, I hesitate to draw parallels to the flu because I know in the early days of this, like that was like a really misinformation thing. To, but it seems like if a, a a normal person gets the flu in a normal year, that seems to be similar to the type of illness that like Delta in terms of like your likelihood of going to the hospital or something like that, if you're vaccinated and you get the Delta. Yeah. Anyway. Oh man. Seems like this is kind of going to repeat itself through a few more cycles for a couple Mm -hmm. of years. And I think you're probably making a good call by going remote first and figuring out how to run the company that way. Yeah, it sucks. It's, it's just so hard to know. I, I have seen something that I found interesting. I saw like a Twitter thread from someone who seemed credible that was basically like, the cost-benefit analysis should change post-vaccination. And the reason is pre-vaccination, we were being maybe overly cautious because it's like, you're waiting for the vaccine. Now it's like, what are you waiting for? Like, if this isn't going away ever... It's not worth hiding from it. Yeah, I mean, you should take certain precautions, but it Mm -hmm. might not be the case that like totally shutting down the office is correct. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Yeah, that'll um, be interesting how people do that analysis. Yeah, so we'll see. (laughs) How did your team... uh, I mean, is anyone excited? I mean, some people are probably like, yes, and they're not saying it. And then some people are probably like, this really sucks. It's probably mixed emotions, I would guess. Yeah, I think counter to the normal narrative, almost everybody is pretty vocal about wanting to go into the office. Hmm. Um, I mean, absent health stuff. So everybody's like, if it's safe, I want to go because it's only two days a week. And I think it's a pretty extroverted company. Um, I think I'm probably the happiest about not having to like, I love remote work. So I'm like, great. I'm five, five days a week working at home. But I think most people like, I mean, there are five people in the office today. They're just wearing masks and mm-hmm. they don't need to be there. Like we had our company wide weekly meeting. They were not allowed to meet in person and they still went into the office. So clearly some people really like going in. At what point do you sort of say, listen, we're remote first, but if you want to be in the same room and you want to not wear a mask, that's up to you. At what point do you sort of go, I'm not going to police this anymore? Yeah, we're having that discussion right now. And I think uh, I think that's exactly what we will do once the mask... Like right now, we have to do this because there's like an actual mandate for it. Mm. Um, once the mask mandate ends, assuming the otherwise the risk profile hasn't changed at all, I think that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to say... Everyone can do what they want, but we don't want anyone to feel like the company's pressuring you to be in a situation you feel unsafe with. So the big meetings and like company, like we'll, we'll stop doing company lunch. Uh, the, the weekly meeting will still be like, you'll have to take it from a private office because we don't want f- people to feel like peer pressure to go take it in the big room. But aside from that, go do whatever you want, I think is what I'm planning. Cool. Cool. But we'll see. Awesome. What else? Uh, we had a new developer start on Monday. That's Yay. always exciting. Woo! 
Um, yeah, ugh. new people starting is just so much fun. Did, did you get this at, at People Keep when you were because you 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 were hiring like lots of people, right? Uh, I know you didn't like you were kind of fancy fancy pants CEO and maybe didn't like interact closely with them. But were, did you have these moments where you're just like, man, my life changed because this person got hired? Oh yeah, I mean th- that's the really good hires. Yeah, like, when they're just I'm not sure what you mean exactly by the question, but the way I interpret it is when a re- when you hire someone really really good, you just know it and your life gets better. There's also an element of this, like, oh, this person's just awesome to be around. Um, yeah. And I'm glad this person's part of our, our culture. I mean more that because um, when you talk to people who work at really big companies, there are just people coming in and leaving the company all the time. Like, there are dozens of people per day starting, and it's just, they, it can't possibly be a big deal. But at a small company, it's like, the company just changed. Whether it's a good hire or a bad hire, the company just changed. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, but anyway, yes, yeah, so he's a developer. So getting started and I'm, I'm readjusting the product roadmap to be like, okay, we used to have five columns. Now we've got six. Like, <laughs> what are we going to put into there? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so anyway, enough about me. What's going on with you? Well, I wanted to talk today about, uh, simplifying the business. So we've teed this up a couple of episodes uh, previously and I'm ready to talk about it. So long story, like, Context for people who ha- have been following the discussion. Uh, I am in. I'm heading into the second 18 months of my business. Um, the f- during the first 18 months or year and a half, I basically uh, figured out, validated the business model, um, built out uh, initial customer base, built out the product, and in doing so, I, I threw a lot of what I'll just call noodles, uh, you know, different ideas against the wall to see what would stick. And many of those noodles have fallen, but I'm still like trying to repatch them up on the wall instead of just stopping. And so anyway, I'm doing a lot of things. Some of the things are working and I'm ready now to go, okay, what's working? What's not? How do I focus the business and get it to be as simple as possible? And what I, what I wanted to do on, on this episode or, or today is, is discuss with you kind of at two levels, uh, how to go about this. One is at the high, you know, what are, what are the different ways a business can, you know, become simple? And we may want to inverse that and say, what are some ways a business can be complex, um, mm-hmm. and how do I avoid that? Um, and, and there's probably different areas or dimensions of of complexity that we can think of. Um, and then the second is th- there's this this idea of a calm company. We've talked about a utopia, building a utopia, and I want to talk about what that looks like um, in general and how you measure that uh, if you can, um, and then. What I'd like to do is once we have sort of those two swimming lanes, simplest, you know, simple business, calm business. Okay, what does that mean for leg up health? And maybe maybe we do that first. I don't know the right order here, but I would like to leave with I like to leave this episode with a framework to think about some, you know, what is a simple business, um, what is a calm business, and then some maybe some tactical specifics of how you know by maybe the end of August uh, I could massively simplify and calm leg up health. Yeah. Uh- I, my mind's racing right now. Is there like a particular, particular place you want to start there? Yeah. Let's start with simplicity. Um, or yeah, let I want to start with simplicity. That's more important to me. So what, when you think of like what a simple business is or is not, what are the different like buckets you would think about in terms of whether, is this business simple? What are the, I'm not sure if this is quite what you're asking, but yeah. like my initial reaction to that is, so no business is truly simple. In the sense that, like, 
if you're not doing something hard, well, I guess there's a difference between hard and complex, but if you're not doing something that other people struggle to do, what you're doing is not defensible. And that can be just working hard, but I I think very few businesses are made just off working hard. I think normally there's complexity. But so when you say a simple business, to me, it means the complexity is a competitive advantage and it's not more complex than it needs to be. That you're like, you found your thing, you're going all in on that advantage and you're getting rid of all the other complexity. Yeah, that's interesting. The other, the other like word that comes to mind is focused. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's uh, something that, it's easy to wrap your head around and there's not a whole lot of distraction. Yeah. Um, which, so like, can I guess what I think your, yeah. your complexity is? I think it's that you, you're just like literally one of the world's leading experts on like the U S healthcare system from the standpoint of indiv- the, the individual market and company benefits outside of the group health space. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have your whole career, you've been working on it. You've like literally written a book on it. Um, does that sound right to you that that's the complexity that's your advantage? For like, I think personally, yes. For leg up health, I don't know that that's true. Interesting. So what do you think it, like what's, why, why is any of it working or is it just that health insurance, like the, the, the industry's a bunch of dinosaurs that are easy to compete with? I think there's two aspects to this. One is, um, that it's, I mean, it's, it's a hard, it's the complexity is each individual has very unique circumstances and in order to help guide them through the process, you've got to be able to do a consult consultative, like almost be a consultant. You have to have a lot of knowledge around the, 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 you know, one regulations to make sure you're not saying anything you shouldn't. Um, but two, the, you gotta understand the, the sort of the, the hospital networks and the healthcare provider networks. You've got to understand the insurance company options with the affordable care act and the marketplace. Now you've got to understand tax code pieces. So premium tax credits. Um, and I guess, uh, you've got to be able to deliver that consistently. Um, you know, as you add clients. Okay. I, I have, okay. So I'm hearing two things. One is what I said, which is Mm -hmm. you're like an expert on the actual health insurance, but in theory, I know there are a lot in any industry, there are a lot of people who are bad at their jobs, but there must be other health insurance out there, uh, health insurance agents out there who know that stuff. The second thing, which is the same thing I've got going for me is you said, I don't know if you just said it or certainly in previous episodes, you've said, you are a consultant, not do you, like everyone else is just doing sales. But like why? If your business model works, why aren't they doing it? And I think this ties back to something I've had a lot of experience with when people are like, what's like, how do you do it? What's less learning serum secret? It's like, well, we just make less money than other companies. Yep. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which you could frame it as moving slower or being less greedy. There's lots of different lenses you can look at it, but like just being willing Invest- to yeah, in- investing more in the customer service and experience. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's what, at the end of the day it is it's not squeezing that. Which actually I think is that's the working harder type. Mm-hmm. There's nothing defensible about that. Anyone could do it, both for me and for you. There's n- there's nothing stopping another CRM company from coming along and doing it. It's just that they all raise venture capital and the VCs are like, well, you're never going to be profitable enough for us if you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we each have a hard but simple thing we do. And well, we haven't talked about mine, but at least you have a complex thing that mm-hmm. you do. 
And those work together to kind of, that's why the business works. Is that? Yeah. The simple thing is we just do really great customer service and Mm -hmm. we don't sell. And the complex thing is we know our shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So obviously there's more nuance than that, but that Mm -hmm. does, does that summarize the big, the, the reason you think what you're doing is working? Yes. Okay. Back to simplicity. So I think that means everything that's hard and or complex that's not that, not that you should just like indiscriminately ax it, but you should probably identify what it is and be like, why is this here? Yes. Okay. Uh, and that that's true on the market, kind of in, in every function. It's true in marketing. It's true in sale, like the, the service process or the onboarding process. It's true in the product, uh, even finance. Like, why am I doing something that doesn't contribute to those two things? I think so. Or yeah. that, yeah, that doesn't leverage those two things in some way. Yeah. So what are, I mean, no, nobody listening and inclu- including me, like ne- knows the business the way you do. Like, mm-hmm. are there things that really stand out to you that are like, man, I'm spending a lot of time on this or, you know, whatever. Well, there's, there's another thing that we're doing that is in addition to those things, which is making information available and written form and in like the portal via links that isn't necessarily knowing our stuff, but it's curating it, the stuff that we know in a way that people don't have to talk to us in order to get it. Do you mean like showing people their deductible or just like writing helpful blog posts about how health insurance works? Uh, More around the port, like the portal when someone logs in, showing them what Mm -hmm. plan they have, uh, being helpful around uh, self-service stuff, more like helping them self-serve. So I'm never going to argue, like if something's providing value to people, like kill it just because, and I'm certainly not arguing you should kill that. But I do wonder if you went back in time, knowing what you know now, would it have been like, would the right approach have been to build that from day one? Or I almost wonder if, if that stuff, like you have it now, so you might as well keep it, but maybe that's not really core to what you're doing. Yeah, that's what I'm realizing in this conversation. It's like, how important is it to for a client to be able to log in and see their materials? They can do that technically with their insurance company, and we can help them log into their insurance company to see this information. They don't necessarily need that at Leg Up Health, but there is value in being able to log in and see it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also internal value in, you know, if, if you're a coach, being able to look up in our own systems, okay, what plan is this? person on and what like having the materials available to be able to quickly answer questions and, 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 and even send those materials to the client. So it, get, it kind of gets into like providing the service. Uh, but yeah, there is a cost to that because you have to know, you have to have a directory of all the plans. When someone buys a plan, you've got to port it from, you know, healthcare.gov to, uh, to our systems. You've got to, you know, maintain uh, a relationship between those. So there's probably some, uh, version of there's probably, we're probably overdoing it on mm-hmm. that. It sounds to me like if you could go back in time and like do this in the perfectly optimal way, phase one is like, you're really just a health insurance agent. That's just the best at it. Mm-hmm. And you get to the point of profitability and like where you can fund growth investments from there. And then really all this, all that stuff we were just talking about is how you, it does two things, creates like more of a moat like you you ultimately want your business to be more than just Rick is a good health insurance agent and B, it uh, allows you to scale the level of service you're giving with people you hire that not to insult anyone you hire in the future, but they're not going to be as good at this as you. 
Yeah, so that actually triggered a couple of more areas of complexity that I've said no to already. One is multiple states. So uh, uh, insurance is state regulated um, and, and the hospital networks are often different in every state. The insurance companies are different. The laws are different. Even where you buy health insurance, like some insurance, some states like California have their own state marketplace versus healthcare.gov. So compl- major complexity as you add a state. I actually tried adding a state. Um, it was uh, yeah, Indiana. Ohio, right? Oh, Indiana. Indiana. Okay. Yeah. And that was like so hard. <laughs> and I'm so, I'm I'm so glad that that ended that the, the the reason we did that didn't end up working out because then we'd have clients yeah. there. Um, so well, so let's pause real quick. Yeah. If you had like added whatever bordering, what's bordering Nevada, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. In this conversation, we'd be saying, okay, get rid of them. Like yes. that's one of the way you get yes. simpler. Okay. Yes, <laughs> yes. So I think like being really clear that this is a Utah focused company for the long term. <laughs> uh, yeah, or at least the medium term. Medium term. Yeah. So. Uh, then, then there's another aspect, that, and this I think is where w- w- I haven't said no to, and that is, what type of health insurance do we support mm. via the software and via our service team? And I think that so there's sort of two pieces of complexity there. One, we currently offer two products. One is a freemium service, and one is our agency service. Um, so. One opportunity to simplify is just offer one of those, the one that's making money, get mm-hmm. rid of the freemium service. I think I'm ready to do that. Yeah, we kind of, we talked about yeah. that last week or two weeks ago, and it sounded like you were there already. Yeah, and the second is, uh, how do we do we do all individual policies or just marketplace policies? Um, and I am 95% where we're just going to do marketplace policies, um, and we'll make the rare exception, uh, you know, to to take care of clients. But at the end of the day, like when you sign up for a leg up health account, when you try to sign up for a leg up health account and you're not in the market for a marketplace policy or currently have a marketplace policy, it, it, you don't create an account. Is this a positioning thing or does it actually affect the product? Like I def- I'm looking at your homepage right now. It says a better way to find, use and manage your health insurance. I could definitely see this page being improved by saying, you know, we make sense of the the marketplace or whatever, like being more specific that it's about the marketplace. But if someone with a normal individual plan signs up and adds their policy. Does, is that any different for you? Yes. Uh, for two reasons. Uh, one, the, we would not be able to access them and use our marketplace software tool, uh, to, uh, via the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means we'd have to have a separate system for servicing them, gotcha. um, which is more manual. Uh, there, they would be on technically different plans, than the, what are on the marketplace. Uh, they're the same plans in terms of coverage, but there are nuances that are slightly different, which means they have different plan documents. They have different summary plan descriptions. They have different, uh, same networks, but there's just, it's not the same plan. So there's, it, you know, there's that. Um, and then re- the renewal process uh, for, you know, most of the work in this business is either enrolling someone or re-enrolling them. And that happens either when they have a life event um, or during open enrollment. And when people that aren't on the marketplace have a life event or, uh, you know, go or have an open enrollment renewal, then it's a totally separate process and yeah. much more manual system for that. Okay. So it sounds, this is sounding really good that like focusing on the marketplace, you, you get total focus. It simplifies the product. It simplifies what you and your future employees need to know just to talk about possible downsides of over, like there is a risk to oversimplifying, which is like a maybe the bigger future opportunity would have been this other thing. That sounds like that's not the case because most 
people on individual insurance are in the marketplace. Yeah. To give you a stat on that, uh, we have 37 clients. Only two of those policies are not on the marketplace. Yeah. So yeah, I do, I do think any business, especially if you haven't made it yet, which you've got a lot of validation, but you know, you're not where you want to be to like start putting it on cruise control. I do think you could be like, maybe take the money. If it's not that hard, even those two people help. But yeah, this feels like you're not losing much. It, it feels like a fine thing to cut to me. Is that how yeah. you're feeling? Yeah. And it's like, listen, uh, oh, you don't have a marketplace plan. It's fine. We'll take, tell us what it is, add it. Um, but it's not going to be like where we're, it's not our bullseye. Right. Like it's not a self-service thing. It's it's, someone kind of has to, you're, you're telling them this isn't what this is designed for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, oh, but you've got, but you know, would you like, would you consider switching to the marketplace, but you can get the same plan on the marketplace. Can we switch you to the marketplace this year? Mm -hmm. So there's, and it's, yeah, they can do that. And we do this all the way, all the time at Lesson Wing CRM, by the way, where people come in and they're like, uh, you know, I need social network integration. And we're like, well, we don't have that, but like, do, do you really need it? And ha- half the time they're like, yes. And we say, we'll go to one of these other CRMs. And half the time they say no. And we're like, great, use us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, okay, that's good. Um, the, the other area is the idea of adding multiple lines of health coverage. So um, I originally, like right now, if you go into like a health uh, and log in, you can find information on, uh, dental insurance, accident insurance, vision insurance. And we get questions like that all the time. But I think that we want to be in a position where the, it's like, hey, if you have a marketplace plan, we'll help you think through those things. But we're, we don't expect the same. We can't provide the same level of service for that type of coverage um, that we can on the marketplace because the information doesn't exist. Hmm. So yeah, we can help you think through those um, and even sometimes be your agent if you buy that through the marketplace. But we're a we folk, our primary focus is health insurance. Okay, I'm gonna be devil's advocate here and give give why I think that's different from the last thing we just said. Okay, which is and maybe this goes back to the the, the overarching what we're really doing here. I realize for anyone listening, this is very specific in the weeds about your weird Utah health insurance business. But like, I do think what we're doing is trying to create a framework for how do you evaluate what can get cut and what is core to the business. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a difference between something that provides the same type of value to a different type of person, which to me is extraneous. We do this at Less Knowing Serum. We're like, oh, you're you're too big for us. We're not for you. Versus providing something like the core value to the people you're actually your core customer. And I do think this is not as core as health insurance, but it's a better thing to invest in because it's the same people. Mm-hmm. rather than trying to go after a different group of people. Yeah, it's like, hey, you're on the marketplace, and yeah, you're going to have questions. Part of buying health insurance in the marketplace is knowing, should you check the box to buy dental too? Um, do you, you know, what is covered with vision on your, the plans that you're buying, and should you supplement that? Um, what happens if you have an accident? We'll help you think through that. That's part of our service. Yeah, yeah I like that. That's very, that's a good point. It's the same person. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other example of this is there's non-marketplace policies like ministry sharing plans, which is like a like a health sharing program. Um, and then there's these short-term medical plans. And it's like, listen, we don't do that. <laughs> God, this is so confusing. <laughs> yeah, we don't do that. Sorry. Here's a blog post that tells you what to do. Good yeah, luck. I think that's, yeah. So, and so I'd probably put the, uh, the you know, the dental and stuff in a media, if you're doing like high, medium, low kind of highs, like we're definitely, this is core to what we're doing. Medium's like, you could cut this, but if you have the bandwidth to do it, it seems arguably worth doing. And then you've got low, which is like, this isn't providing value to your core customer. 
kill it. There's an exception to what I just said, which is when you have someone who wants to buy in the marketplace, but they are outside of open enrollment and they don't have a special enrollment period, meaning they won't be able to buy mm. a marketplace plan until open enrollment happens. There's this gap. And that's when a short-term plan can be really helpful. But but there's a difference between saying, we do short-term plans, come look at like 20 different options. It's like, listen, we do one short-term plan. It's with Select Health. Um, and yeah. we, can, we can help you with that. Or yeah, I could even imagine being like, like I'm going to ask you to sign a document saying you're going to sign up with me as your agent through the marketplace on whatever date. And like, until then I'm going to help you get by. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you may or may not cut the dental type stuff, but it's you're, you're it sounds like you're probably cutting the non-marketplace stuff. I don't think we can cut the dental stuff. I think it's too core to the marketplace because yeah. I mean it's part of the marketplace. It's the vision and accident or, stuff that sorry, I'm clear on. Yeah. Um, th- and then short term has got it. There's got to be something with short term. There's got to be something we do probably with accent and vision. Yeah. To answer questions. I actually really like the like you don't need to shop around probably for the best policy if it's temporary. Yeah. I really like that. Like we've got this one thing we'll help you with as a bridge to the thing that we're really getting you onto. Yep. That that seems very simple. Yep. Cool. Okay. Uh, other areas of complexity. I mean, the the other area of complexity is, okay, now that we have all marketplace plans, how do, you know, the, the login that mm. clients have. Mm-hmm. The main reason the login is helpful is... I'm not going to say this. I'm going to say what I wanted to happen with the login eventually, what I originally intended for the login to accomplish. I don't know if it's actually accomplishing this is to make it easy for a new client uh, to make us the agent on a policy. Um, And that's worked several times where someone finds us online or I get introduced. I'm like, listen, go create an account, upload your policy. And I like send them an AOR letter and it, and we're their agent. Um, That was half of our clients came that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that works. But it does more than that. Like that, you know, we we add when they when a new client comes on, we import their policy and sh- give them a login. We don't need to do that necessarily. We could just send them an email every month and say, "Here's your policy information," and not have a login. We could have a a a non login like a non user login version of you know, tell us about your policy information. It doesn't right. have to be authenticated. Like there could That's be a, an internet process for doing that. Can I pause real quick? I love the idea of a business, a, t- a tech enabled business that does not have a login and does everything over email. People are so sick of going to websites, storing passwords, logging in. The idea of like, we'll send you an email once a month. And maybe even in that email, there's a link and you click it and it takes you into a portal and authenticates you through the link. But I, I love getting a lot done through email. I think that's a cool idea. So that's interesting. Um, I mean, the but you've already ha- got the, the portal built, right? Yeah, it's all built. So yeah. So you wouldn't go back in time and do it, but it's not hard to maintain at this point, is it? The The challenge is, is that plans change every year. So the systems that you build to keep those plans updated, you have to redo every year. Mm. Um, but don't so, you need that plan information? I think either you need way. it anyway, whether you're doing it via email or via the portal. So the portal isn't really a cost now. So I think it's yeah. a non-issue. Okay, I think this is super common with with startups. Is like you invest in something that wasn't bad, but it wasn't optimal, and like that doesn't mean you should kill it. Like mm-hmm. I've got a we've got a bunch of features with Lessening Serum where it's like I would not build this again today, but 
Some people use it. It's easy to maintain. We'll just keep it around. Yep. Okay. So the one that stands out to me, and we've talked about this before, and I think you have a perfectly good reason for doing it, but like you've got two different brands. That seems like oh, like Be- like health and like benefits. Yes, and yeah. I don't mean just the brands, but you're you're kind of running two businesses side by side rather than just diving all into one. Yeah, so maybe let's talk about that. Yeah, maybe that we haven't talked about this one. So kill leg up benefits and make it a leg up health service. Well, or, or, or don't do it at all. Okay, so we've got two it, customers on leg up benefits. And how, could, pe- so how would yeah, you sorry. go about discontinuing a product for? Uh, and be very clear here with, if you're listening customers, right, we're yeah. not going to do anything to like, we'll figure out a way to make this happen, like not hurt you, but right. how would you go about hypothetically? Like, would you think about combining this into one service? Like it's definitely a different I, service. I would say I wouldn't, I wouldn't start there. I'd okay. say, should this service exist? And then if you decide, yes, you've got, it's, there's no point in going through what you just said. And if you decide no, it's two people. You'll figure out, you can handle them ad hoc. You, I mean, what they signed up for was a Google Doc, basically. Um, I would I would put that second. Yeah, le- the leg up benefits one is interesting. In a way, it's a, by itself, it's a much simpler business than leg up health um, because it's c- c- like basic concierge um, and it's a scri- subscription service, but it, it, it does add complexity. Like if you it'd be much easier to say and just give up that revenue and say, Hey, just, you know, send your, send your, when you have a, um, new and hire, just introduce us to them and we'll take care of them. No yeah. cost. Yeah. Or the reverse. And I, th- I think your mission is you want to help the individuals. So I don't think you would do this, but if someone else were in your shoes, the reverse would be, you know what? Like we're only going to do leg up benefits. We're gonna, only going to sell to employers and yes, we'll be the agent of record for their employees, but because it's going through their employer, we don't need all this software crap. Like th- they're going to use us either way because we're their employer's health insurance agent. Yep. So you could I'm, probably make it I'm, one or the I'm other. I'm definitely the first yeah. Uh, consumer. So yeah, in that case, you would just say, hey, like we, if you have a, a new hire that you want help with, we're here. Send them mm-hmm. our way. Um, would you char- try to charge for that, or would you just try to say it's like a re- part of our referral process? I would char- if you're if you're saying like, how do you turn leg up benefits into a standalone business and get rid of leg up health? I'd say mm-hmm. charge the the company exactly how you do now, and, and focus on the companies. Focus on the companies, but still, I mean, it's easy money to be the individual agent for the mm-hmm. employees, but just don't don't try to differentiate yourself as a good agent. Yeah, be be a good HR person. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I see how different the businesses are. Let's just assume that I got rid of leg up benefits and just continue to service the clients that we already have. Just yeah, which you could do quietly. Like, yeah. um, wh- how would you go about? Uh, how would you like if an employer came to leg up health and said, "Hey, I want it. I want what what those guys have." Mm-hmm. Um, what, how would you deal with that? Would you say no? I'd probably say if I'm like, if I have my less annoying CRM hat on, cause this happens at every, at every business, like opportunities that like overlap, but don't perfectly fit what you do. I'd probably say let's the part that overlaps. I'll do that part, which is to say, I'm not going to give you plan doc or I don't know. You, you like kind of make benefits documents for them and do employee onboarding and stuff. I'd be like, 
listen, you can still tell them you offer this, but what you're really doing is you're just giving them to me as leads at Leg Up Health, and that's the service. Yep. And it's $20 a month or it's free? Which would you say? Free. Free. I'd say, I'm just a health insurance agent here, but I'm happy to... We, we do this with uh, affiliates. I, yeah, I would actually think of them almost like affiliates to you or like a, a lead source to you. We do this with affiliates where we're like... And, and in, in, I say affiliates. In many cases, there's no money exchanged. We're not paying them. They're not paying us. But someone's like, I've got this... Uh, I'm, I'm talking at a conference. I'm giving advice on how to set up a, a sales funnel. I really want to recommend less annoying CRM, but I want it to be easy. Yeah. We'll be like, great, we'll we'll set up a template for you because we already have that feature for our affiliates. Sometimes we even make like a landing page for them. We're like, we're going to make it really, really easy for you to give us leads. But the thing we do is we sell CRMs. We're not like partnering with you on giving a, you know, putting together a new sales process or whatever. Yep. I, I actually like this a lot. That's I'm a big one. I'm to hear that actually. Yeah, I... I from a simplicity standpoint, I should say I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. So I don't like it. It's hard because <laughs> it's a dark. It's like Stephen King when he talks about writing, and you know when you try to want to improve your writing, it's about getting rid of all the unnecessary details. And mm. a lot oftentimes that he calls it killing your darlings. I think it's Stephen King that says that. And like it help like it benefits as a darling of mine uh, in the business sense. And killing it is really scary to me. Um, and also because I see such a business opportunity down that road. Uh, that could be offered. But that's another, that could be in the future. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be now. There's also a middle ground here, which is put it on life support, which is to say, if someone wants to come sign up and pay you, you say yes, but you just kind of make it clear to them, this is it. It's, <laughs> I'm not building software around this. Like you're, you get what you, what you pay for. I know it's kind of a pain for you because it's a manual process right now, but wait, you know, if you're making $5,000 a month off of it, then you can say, well, it's time to invest in it. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I really uh, like the idea of of thinking. At the end of the day, the whole reason I started Lega Benefits was to source leads for Lega Health, and then the subscription is kind of greed on top of that. Hmm. Uh, it's it's like, hey, I, but if I do a little <laughs> bit more, I can get more money, you know. And in, in reality, it's another business, and and the the greed is creating complexity. So it's but but there's a way to sort of still get the part that helps like a health, which is the lead generation. And it's, it's probably more than, Hey, just join our referral program. It's probably more custom to, Hey, you're an employer partner of ours. Here's, here's our leg up health, uh, program, employer program. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, maybe it costs money. I don't know, but probably not. Maybe it's 50 bucks a month, you know, flat. And it's like you're any, anyone you send us gets priority, priority, uh, you know, wait on the waiting list. Yeah. Um, so to talk through, through, thing, uh, through a few things there, e- this draws even more parallels with our affiliate program in the sense that it's not a separate brand, it's not a separate product, it's you go to lessannoyingcrm.com slash affiliates. And it's very clear what this is, is in support of the CRM, but there is a different login. Like affiliates get their own login, like we have a product for them, but it's it's in support of the CRM. Um, so yeah, I, I think that- and I would could be- easily, on Leg Up Health, just add a, a kind of a flag that says- is this an employer? Do they want the employer thing? And that mm-hmm. leg up health account can show like, Hey, like, do you have employees? Here's how this works. S- submit referrals when you have them. Yeah. Um, and then what I love about this is you're, you're, you're getting, you're keeping the relationship with the employer so that in the future you can sell them something, right? Like if all you do right now is you say, this is just a referral relationship, but you, you like have, I'll give you a little branded page or however you want to do it for them. But then two years from now, 
simplicity is not the goal anymore. It's like, it's time to scale. It's time to grow. You've got a list of a hundred employers you can go to and say, now it's time to start charging. I've got like, who wants to buy this actual benefits offering that I've got? I hate to admit you're right. I'm going to have, I, I think you're right. I think I need to get rid of like a benefits uh, as a brand. Um, I just spent a lot of time getting it set up as a brand and now I'm going to rip it off. But this is the point of the exercise, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I just want to give a shout out uh, to a listener, Steve Davis. Um, I think you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he wrote me a pretty long email about a month ago saying, Rick, I really think you need to consider combining these brands and and you may be overcomplicating this. Uh, and uh, I'll just go ahead and say, I think you were probably right if you're listening. <laughs> um, so thank you for that. And uh, yeah, I, I, I really like the simplicity of saying, yes, we have a Leg Up Health has a program for employers. Create a Leg Up Health account. Check a box that you're an employer, and we'll take care of your employees when you send them our way. Yeah, cool. I mean, think about it. I, I don't think you should uh, just based on this conversation make such a big decision, but that sounds right to me. Uh, oh yeah, I think sometimes this is an interesting thing. I feedback I've gotten in the past. When I'm having a conversation with someone, oftentimes when I explore possibilities, I get so focused on that possibility and like really taking, I take, like kind of go all the way. Mm-hmm. I'm not actually making the decision, but it sounds like I am. Yeah. It's so confusing to people. I actually do go all the way too often and it, um, only certain people can handle that. <laughs> sometimes I'm talking to people and, you know, five minutes in the conversation is like, great decision made. Let's go do it. And they're like, well, what? <laughs> Well, th- what's, what I do is worse because people think the decision's made and they yeah. go execute. And I'm like, I didn't make the decision. Gotcha. I was just like getting into the mode of what the decision would like. I wanted to try it on and see what it looked mm. like. You know, that's a good. That's a good for all the simplicity <laughs> stuff, though. That's a great idea. Is like try it on, act like you made the decision, see how it feels tomorrow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what can you think of any other simplicity things? What I would say is this: don't take on any new complexity. Mm. Cut, make all the cuts we just talked about, at least the ones that you still think make sense tomorrow and only increase complexity over a number of users. Like the only complexity should Mm. be how many users we have. Yep. Yep. Or until you hit a wall, maybe at some Mm. point you're like, well, I'm actually struggling to get more users because we don't have this feature or something, but like, that's not what's happening right now. No, nope. Um, and there may be more, like more fat to cut, but I think it'll be easier to identify that after you cut the stuff you've already identified. Yep. Cool. Man, that's a satisfying conversation. Yeah, it was. Uh, can we move to the calm section of the conversation? <laughs> yes. I know I'm taking a lot of time here, so no, do you have it. anything else that is more important to discuss than this? Uh, I, have, I have a couple topics I uh, people wrote in and I said we'd talk about it, but I'm sure they won't mind if we talk next week, but I'll just say like, for those of you I said that to, like, we're, we'll get to them. But <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> Go ahead. So, uh, calm. Uh <sighs> So I, the the book that I've read recently that really sat with me is uh, what's the guy's name? CD Baby guy, uh, the guy who wrote oh, about uh, Utopia, Dar- uh, not Derek Sivers. Uh, yeah, Derek, Derek Sivers. Yeah. yeah. So if I could, when you look at a business and you're like, I just want this to be a playground and a utopia, and I don't want, I don't care what happens with it. it it's so freeing because it takes all the pressure off the business, and then you can go, okay, what, what if I could, if I didn't care what happened what would I make this business do? And that's really what, what he started making me think about. Mm-hmm. And what I want this business to be is I want it to help as many people in Utah with their marketplace insurance in a way that they never thought that they could be helped. Um, and I want to do that a lot. And I want to, but, but I want, and I want to have people that 
like doing that work at like a pelt. Um, and I want, I want there to be flexibility. I want there to be this, uh, sort of burst of adventure and thrill during open enrollment, which is the seasonal, you know, side of this. But then I want, you know, you know, an employee to be able to go live in Hawaii for a month in March and not feel like they have to work a ton. Yeah. There's clients to take care of, but like, I mean, it's, 90% of the effort with this business happens between November and and uh, January 31st. So I, I mean, how do you run a calm company? What is a calm company? How do you know it's a calm company? And like, what, what is this? Like, how do you just, how do you manage that? First of all, let me just say whether it was intentional or not, I think you have ended up in the calmest situation, the calmest waters of any calm business I've ever heard of because of exactly what you just said. Well, because of two things. One, the core product that's being sold isn't yours. It's insurance offered by a different company. So there's like hugely high stakes here. Someone could get cancer or whatever, and you're, the product you're, you're helping them buy, I really, you're not selling it, quote unquote, but sort of. Um, that's not your problem. <laughs> Which is awesome. The the really high state. You don't care if your website goes down in the middle of the night. All of that, all the really bad stuff that can happen, isn't your problem. We help people crazy. deal with the really bad stuff when it happens, and but not, but we're not the responsible party. Yeah. But what yeah. matters is that United Healthcare covers their bills, not yeah. that like it's got. You can't make that decision. Nope. Um, and then secondly, yeah, the fact that it's so seasonal. And as long as you're willing to have a pretty stressful month and a half during open enrollment, yeah, I don't see any reason why you. Anyway, this isn't helping your question. No, it's just actually like blown helping away. me a ton. There's, there's two principles there that you're you're pulling out. One is that there is, uh, it's low stake. It, there, there, it's low stakes. You're like you're not system of record. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 second is that there is. Um, in built-in seasonality and flexibility into the business model that creates, yeah, like there's this narrow demand of time throughout the year, but there's this freedom that comes outside of the season. And that's just part of the business model. Yeah. And let me draw a parallel to less knowing CRM. We have devs, developers, and CRM coaches who do customer service. Both work 40 hours a week. I'd say similar you know, talent on both teams paid very similarly. There's pros and cons to each job, but there's no question that a huge pro to the developer, what they're doing, arguably more stressful, like more pressure on them, but in the moment there's not. And that's because they don't have things scheduled for them. It's like over the next month, at the end of this month, we want you to have this done, but I don't care what you do in the next hour. Um, having a schedule where it's like, I'm talking live to customers in a scheduled way. Uh, you know, I have to be in the office from nine to five, something like that. That creates a tremendous amount of pressure separate from the actual impact of the work you're doing. I think. Yeah. That's really interesting. It's like, um, yeah. And what, but that's kind of a a top down driven decision in a company of like how you operate, the cadence in which you operate, isn't it? It is. And it isn't like. I think we'd have a hard time, um, like giving demos to customers is pretty important for us. Like, I think that's a lot of people wouldn't buy if not for that. And that's a live real time conversation, which means like it needs to be scheduled. We actually, I have a topic on my list that it's been there for months. You've probably seen it that 
we haven't talked about yet, but it's, we, we want to figure out how do we shift to more asynchronous communication with our customers for this exact reason. Um, so anyway, it is top down, but I also, your business doesn't need this in the same way that mine does, I think. Mm, yeah. Cool. But maybe you do, maybe with a new client, maybe they'll like, I don't want to do, I don't want to figure out which policy to buy asynchronously. Yeah. And there's, yeah, there are live calls, but it's usually, it's usually scheduled. Um, but, but driven by my schedule, not necessarily by Mm -hmm. theirs. So there's, there is this inflex that's not true during open enrollment and open enrollment. It's like, okay, when, like what's the earliest (laughs) we can do this? Do I need to stay up till midnight? Like that, that kind of thing. But outside of open enrollment, it's like, okay, like there's no urgency. The only urgency that happens is during open enrollment and at the end of months. I wonder if that might change a little bit. Not th- There certainly won't be real urgency, but I do think when a customer is like calling an 800 line and talking to a support team, I do think it's kind of weird to be like, well, I'm playing golf for the next two days. Can we talk, you know, at the end of the week? Th- like, I think that's part of what's going on with Less Wing Serum is the customers feel like they're calling a call center. And they expect availability. We don't have to give it to them. That's that's our decision to, to give it to them. But they might feel that way more as you hire more people. Okay, so this is actually getting somewhere to the conversation because I think there's some, what we're getting into now is what would cause, what are some things that you could do? What, what, what causes or erodes calmness? Um, and then how do you avoid creating those expectations with customers? Yeah. So one is, you know, saying, hey, we're, you know, call this number when you need help. Uh, so, for example, like if you have if you have assigned coaches assigned to clients where they have a relationship and they're like via email and they're getting a monthly email from that person, there's there's almost and, and we're pushing information out via a certain medium, and we're saying, hey, te- email us or text us um, or schedule a call. People aren't going to be calling that phone number. I I have 37 clients. I don't get phone calls ever. Yeah. That could change. It, it probably won't. It, you're, yeah. you're, you're in a different business than me. And, but. Yeah. But, but there's like, if you have a call center, you're like, Hey, first come first serve mm-hmm. versus your coach is this person converse with them over time. That's different than like having a customer support line. Something I would say to almost everyone that I wish, I don't want to say I wish I'd done. Cause like 12 years ago, this wasn't a thing, but like, I might say, I might set expectations from the very beginning the way you talk on the phone is by booking a time on my calendar. There's no call me. I That's, know you you have it and no one's using it, but yeah. I might consider if I were you, pull that away. Like, don't oh, that's interesting. Because that way you can block off your calendar. And you, know, you can also, in, in tools like Calendly, you can say, don't let anyone book a time. Uh, you have to have at least 24 hours notice or something like that. So nothing gets added to your calendar at the last minute. Like, you, you know, at least for today, here's what my day is going to be. Yep, 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 yep. I might encourage that. Yeah, that's a good point. The others are deadlines. Like when you create, I think there's two other things that can create a lack of calm. One is extreme goals. Goals mm-hmm. in general, like yeah, yep. have that ability and then deadlines. Um, this so how do you, how do you do brings that? me to, I was going to, I kind of got off track earlier, but I was going to push back a little bit on this, which is like, how do you know you want a calm company? Because there is like, uh, there's a downside to calm. It's less exciting. Hmm. I bet a lot of people would be like, you can have both. And like, yeah, you kind of, there's definitely like not calm and not exciting is bad. Like there's probably a quadrant, but to some extent, if you want to grow really fast, it's going to be less calm, right? Yeah. So where I come at this is, 
in an ideal world, what do I want to be doing? Um, and I, I could see chairing a company that's a calm company and having it be my playground and the people that work there, it's the perfect job for them and the perfect environment for them. And I love being a part of that with some percentage of my time. Um, where I struggle, I think a little bit with the calm company aspects is I do get a little bit bored and that's where mm-hmm. this leg up benefit stuff comes from. And it's where, uh, all these other things come from. So I'd need to have another outlet for that. Um, but I do, I know what I've ha- I had moments of calm at Zane benefits and it was some of the most rewarding times because it's about relationships and, um, cl- it's just about feeling good uh, and getting good work done and, uh, there's just a good kind of vibe that comes from it. Uh, but so. it's it's you, I guess maybe I'm going to tie this to a different thing I wanted to say, which is you, you're talking about this playground, which I, th- that's a nice calm feel. Like we can all visualize it, yeah. right? You, you've got no objective. You're just having fun. And hopefully what, the things you find fun are, are the things the business needs. I think when you start hiring employees, the playground element goes away. And I also think a certain amount of the calmness does. Not entirely. You can be a calm company with employees, but now you have an obligation to other people. You set expectations with them that you need to meet. If you want to make changes, which is kind of the playground idea, it comes at a cost. I still don't know what calm means. I, I, yeah. I feel like we're <laughs> saying this word and I've said it and it's like, what does it mean to be a calm company? I think it means you're not, it's, it's, Relative to the normal startup experience, it's pretty lax. It's a lack of stress. Calm is not a thing. It's a lack of a thing. It's right? a lack of, it's a thing. Lack lack of stress. Of stress. Yeah. yeah. But my, I guess my point is like hiring employees will create some stress. And when you don't aren't willing to take that on, that's the base camp thing, which of course created a tremendous amount of stress for them <laughs> because they let it boil over. Yeah. But you've got all these different people and they want different things and you can't give everyone what they want all the time. And that's a thing. I think, I think calm is the wrong word for what I'm trying to achieve. Mm. I like utopia. There's a utopia (laughs) of like what I like the perfect company. It's like, there's a thing, there's a time where we stress ourselves out, but we know it's coming and we're willing to do it. And it sucks, but we look back on it and it creates memories. And then, you know, we've got this period of calm before we go do it again. Yes. But I, I guess like, I think there is, there's a trade-off where the fun m- involves something anti-calm. <laughs> yeah, of course. I think uh, like, yeah, I think that part, part of, uh, that's the stress part, right? Yeah. Like, and this is also, by the way, why do you hire, like I, I'm t- throughout the last few months, I've been harping on this topic that like employees kind of are stressful so why do it? And the answer is you can get a lot more done with a team of 20 people than you can by yourself. And, and that's fun. And just because it's stressful doesn't mean it's not rewarding. Right, exactly. So I almost wor- wonder if like calm and fun are the two dimensions here. And they, they sort of are at odds with one another, but not, not entirely. Like you can try to get both. Um, but a certain amount of the fun, you, you may sometimes get more fun and pay, pay for it by being less calm. Yeah. Totally. Stressing yourself out is a blast. Yeah. Playgrounds aren't necessarily calm. <laughs> no, man. They, they, you, you know, you get hit in the head with a shovel, plastic shovel a couple of times and you might get a little mad. <laughs> yeah. Some kids are screaming over there. Yeah, get thrown, sand thrown in your eyes. Um, anyway, I've, I've lost track of where this conversation was going, but yeah. 
two things to take away from me. There's a lot of opportunity for me to simplify the business. Uh, and I'm going to do that. Um, think about, I'm going to think about how to do that. I think I probably need to cut a little bit deeper than what I was planning on cutting. Um, and then mm-hmm. expand from there. The second is I need to get clear about what it is I want in a company calms. As I use the word calm. It's not the right word, but I need to create a vision of what that looks like and what the trade-offs are and what the, it's, it's almost like what the, what the operating cadence is on some regular basis of, you know, yeah, we're going to work hard, but we're going to allow ourselves to recover. We're going to, we're going to yeah, like ex- sustainable. Is that su- maybe the word? Sustainable is the right word. That's a much better word. Yes. Which is funny. Cause that's when we first were naming this, uh, first episode. Is that still in our intro? I'm How sure you it is. Like sustaining anyway. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a good word. <laughs> it's sustainable is the right word. Totally. Okay. Cause yeah. Cause you, I think what I, what I want to avoid is, a situation where stress never gets sort of refilled with calm um, because you can't go stress all the time. And that's right. where people burn out and leave a company. And I don't want that to, I, would, I don't want leg up health to be a place where that happens. Yeah. You want it to be fun and sustainable, mm-hmm. which means occasional stress, responsibility, pressure, but enough time to recover. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Yep. Now we, we haven't really gotten to how do you do that, but maybe that's a, no, I think we talked about it. I think there's a balance of like, of, well, no, you're right. There's we, we talked about some things like setting yeah. expectations with customers, I think, is a huge part of the pie. Um, if you don't have employees, that's arguably almost the whole pie. Yeah. But as soon as you have employees, really, one way to look at this is every audience you have. Yes. Uh, and so if you have investors, that's another source of potential stress. Yes. If you're a two-sided marketplace where you have buyers and sellers to worry about, all each audience is potentially like another... Stakeholder. Yeah, each stakeholder, right? Yeah, okay. yeah totally cool. agree. I like that. Yeah, we, maybe we could talk more about that another time. Yeah. All right. You want to wrap we, it up? Yeah, we kind of just uh, blew through. Thank you for letting me talk about that. Um, it was really <laughs> helpful. I, there were moments in that conversation where I forgot we were recording a podcast. I hope I didn't say anything uh, inappropriate. <laughs> there were some pauses, but I think we'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. I'll see you next week, Tyler. See ya.